Hello and welcome to the Honduras podcast. I gotta change it to the Honduras podcast on iTunes. I am Alex Clark Youngblood alongside my good friend Sam Rio, and we are here um, to discuss uh, the relatively little fallout of the 2013 Honduran presidential elections. But before we do that, uh, we just want to give a little background on who we are, what this podcast is, um, just give you guys all just a little background information on what exactly it is we're doing here. Sam, do you want to start us off with that? Yeah, sure. How's everyone doing? Um, I'm Sam Ryu. I'm from, uh, from Holden, Maine, and uh, I've been down in Honduras for almost two years now working with a youth development NGO, uh, particularly focused on civic engagement and civic actions. Um, so that's kind of kind of my background, what I'm doing down here. Uh, and then over here is my buddy Alex, he'll introduce himself now. Hey, I'm Alex Clark Youngblood. I am down here as well working uh, with a youth NGO. I've been down here for five months now, came in July 2013, and I was a special education teacher before that in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and this podcast was just kind of uh, born out of Sam and I's discussions. We're roommates, we live together, we work together. And it was just kind of born out of Sam and I's discussions about Honduras, uh, culturally, uh, definitely politically, and then especially our conversations started ramping up um, as the 2013 uh, presidential elections approached on November 25th. And um, it seemed like there could be uh, some pretty serious implications and potential security issues. And we just decided uh, it was time to record our thoughts so, so we could remember them, first of all, and just have them and remember this time that we spent together down here. And then also... Uh, putting into a podcast is kind of a way to share with our family and friends and then hopefully others that want to take a listen as well. So that's kind of how this all was born about. Yeah, so this is our second podcast ever. Um, the first one, like Alex was saying, started really the day after the 2013 uh, national elections in Honduras. Uh, in that podcast, we talked a little bit about what the what the initial reaction was to the votes, what the conditions were leading up to it. Um, what we saw on election day, what we saw the day after, um, and it was really a pretty quiet Honduras. Um, it was a it was a quiet town. There weren't people out on the streets. There weren't people protesting. Um, people were, you know, all saying, "Oh, I can't believe Juan Orlando won. Juan Orlando won. Um, I don't believe it yet. You know, we don't, we're not sure who won yet." But no one was really doing anything. It was it was it was quite a kind of a a, a passive or almost scared sense in the in the community. Yeah, and it, that that day was just a crazy day when we recorded that first podcast that morning uh, when we first woke up the day after the elections, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. It was kind of a tense moment, uh, but kind of an exciting moment as well because you just weren't sure if you know we were on the dawn of a revolution or something, but we kind of slept through the night, and you know there wasn't any commotion or anything outside, and everything seemed calm, and it continued that way in the morning. I mean, it was a beautiful day. The sun was out and it was shining, and then you just, it was just very tranquil, and it was, it was eerily tra tranquil. And so we thought perhaps, you know, something something was amiss, and something was uh, perhaps violent was going to come about. And so we started recording our thoughts, thinking that perhaps they'd be a precursor to, uh, uh, to a potentially crazy situation. And... Uh, after that, we just headed out and, and just kind of explored the city, trying to look for any potential protests or unrest, and we didn't find much of anything. But yeah, that first podcast we just recorded on my iPhone, we weren't really sure what exactly we were going to do with it, and then I spent uh, the last couple of weeks kind of figuring out how to put it into podcast form, which was 
a crazy experience, uh, but I think we've got it down now and we can uh, kind of continue with these more regularly, commenting on this post-election situation and then about all kinds of things uh, to do with Honduras, you know, in and outside of politics in the future. So now just to, to, to start painting a picture and, and getting ready for today's podcast, um, Alex, can you just give us a quick uh, wrap up of what happened with the elections, who won, uh, where we're at in Honduras now? Yeah, so the elections uh, took place on November 24th, and it was a uh, pretty tightly contested uh, uh, battle leading up in the polls, uh, leading up to the actual elections themselves, with Zero Mauro Castro of the Libre Party and Juan Orlando of the uh, National Party, uh, neck and neck, essentially, and uh, Zio Mara being the wife of the former ousted uh, uh, president of Honduras, Mel Zelaya, in 2009. And then uh, Mel and her kind of teaming up and coming back under in kind of a Trojan horse kind of fashion under the not the guys but under the under the label of the new Libre Party, a leftist party, uh, up against the more right wing candidate uh, Juan Orlando, um, who was uh, the leader of the party that overthrew uh, Mel Zelaya in 2009. Anyway, it turned out uh, that Juan Orlando did squeak out the victory. Um, by most estimates between, I think, 6 and 8% in the final tally, so about 36% to 29%. About about 250,000 votes more uh, but yeah, than he so, had in the next Yeah, the he next squeaked out by 250,000 250, votes in a, in a population of 8 million, only a, you know, a percentage of those being a voting population. But there was pretty high turnout, about 70% turnout. Um, but the controversial thing about this election and, and how fascinating and why it was so fascinating was... Uh, that Juan Orlando just seems to be kind of a hated and despised figure by everyone in Honduras. Um, and it seemed just kind of impossible, if not improbable, if not impossible, that this guy could pull it off when it just seemed like everyone hates him. Um, but it, he is also widely known, and, and the reason why he is so infamous for corruption and, and kind of shading dealings, and especially all his power originating in the 2009 coup, that everyone just suspected that well, he, a lot of shady things were going on in the lead up to the election and that certainly a lot of shady things were going to transpire once the election occurred. Um, and it just seemed like Libra and Ziamar had just such widespread support uh, from, you know, just anecdotal meetings, but, you know, things you read and things you hear and conversations you have that you thought no way they couldn't win, but at the same time you see a candidate who, who you think is going to enter the race cheating and is going to pull off the election by cheating. Anyway, you, you can understand why he would win, and it seems it seems that's uh, what has happened. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would definitely I would definitely have to agree with you in large part. Um, the, the Juan Orlando and, and the picture that's painted of Juan Orlando is, you know, someone who is completely representative of Honduras's entrenched national party, a party that's been around for years, has, you know, traded the presidency, traded uh, president of Congress on and off with the Liberal Party here in Honduras, just a, a two-party system that's been established. Um, he's, you know, very close to military, he's very close to businesses, and he, he definitely has a lot of entrenched interests, or entrenched interests have a lot of ground with him. Uh, he has a lot of compromises. And... I think at the same time he has a lot of, of, of favors that he, that he owes people or, or, or cases where, where people suspect that there's chances of debt, of fraud, um, not only in the elections, but what's going to happen afterwards as well. Um, you know, if you look at the, the brand new party and, and, and thriving party of, of anti-corruption PAC, you, they run on 
the traditional government being corrupt and being fraudulent and them, you know, replacing all of the all of the bureaucrats, replacing the government um, and, and cleaning it up. So if you have someone like Juan Orlando coming in and, and a huge portion of the population is is dissatisfied, is 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 calling into question his leadership, his legitimacy, his honesty, um, but he wins a national election. I think one thing that, that this is really calling Honduras's attention to is are our elections working? Uh, when was the constitution written that set the elections up in this way, and why hasn't it been reformed? Uh, you know, this was set up in the in the 80s, and the constitution has you know has no election reforms until now. Probably has never really had a huge reason reason to 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 reform its election process. But you shouldn't be able to win the presidency of a country with only 34 percent of the vote, with only 36 percent of the vote. Right. Um, yeah, it's a country that's completely in a state of transition, and and the fact that it is, it really is still an emerging democracy. I mean, democracy uh, has only been taking place continuously, like you said, since 1982 when Honduras did return to democracy. Um, so the fact that institutions are so weakened, it, it's kind of it's something like a Rwandaland or victory can transpire, can be understood in the context that this democracy has only been around for a little over 30 years. Um, I think it's just it's a, it was just a crazy situation to be in, given the context of the election and how it transpired. It just seemed like it was well understood that Juan Orlando had been cheating and was going to cheat, and that Zero Mara and Mel were kind of here to save the day, um, as far as Libre uh, supporters were concerned. And I don't know. It, it was almost it. Everything went down almost exactly as I expected, which actually it did. I wrote in my in my blog post on the. Uh, my election prediction blog post that I did that I did think Juan Orlando was going to win. I did think he was going to cheat, and I didn't really think there was going to be much of a fallout afterward. I didn't think there was going to be any sort of widespread post protest or anything of that nature. Um, and that's kind of exactly what has transpired. So even though that did happen, that that is what I expected to happen. It's almost just shocking so, that so it's you, almost shocking that this guy actually did win. You do believe you do believe though at the at the end of the day that he did cheat to win. Or you believe that these elections were clear and clean and legitimate? No, I don't think in any way these elections were clear, clean, and legitimate. I don't think in any way their election is going to be clear, clean, and legitimate. But I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone, and I don't think that is a surprise to anyone. Um, right. It's exactly what everyone expected, exactly what everyone knew. Yeah. I mean, I think one of, one <clears throat> of, one of my, my first reactions to, to what happened here, and, and especially looking, you know, Canada is about the – or has actually just signed free trade agreements with Honduras. There's a, there's a lot of, of macro level or, or there's a lot of forces at, at work in Honduras. And I think that these elections were really, you know, kind of strange, um, just left a bad flavor in everyone's mouth. But I think they were kind of necessary um, for Honduras to, to start moving on and to have elections. You know, obviously Juan Orlando won, but it wasn't an ideal victory. It doesn't give him, you know, he didn't have a mandate. Um, he lost... You know, the, the national party lost tons of seats in Congress, so he's not coming in with the strongest hand that he could. Um, it's you know, it's it's not a it, it's it's it, you can't say it's like a totalitarian government. You can't say that it's military rule or anything like that. Um, but you can call into question the validity or, or or the reality of the democracy here. Yeah, I don't know. I think something that's interesting right now and kind of the 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 weeks that have transpired since the election and maybe it's just because a lot of my <laughs> perception of the election is formed by our conversations together 
Um, but it seems like the de-demonization of Juan Orlando has occurred. It seems like we entered the election and people thinking, and all anyone talked about was how Juan Orlando was the devil. And then it seems now that he has actually come to victory and won, it seems that people are still dissatisfied with that he didn't win or is dissatisfied that he won. But also now it's he all of a sudden doesn't seem to be such a bad guy anymore. I don't well, know. Well, well, one thing that's that's definitely for sure is if you if you open up the prensa, La Prensa, and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast um, about different news sources in Honduras. But if you open up uh, uh, Honduras's you know largest daily newspaper, like the best circulated daily newspaper in Honduras, La Prensa, uh, and you read an article about Honduran politics, the economy, anything kind of, you know, present day Honduran news, it, it's usually focused on Juan Orlando, but on a reform that he's going to do or on, on a change that he's going to make. Um, and it's usually framed in, in quite a positive light. Uh, for instance, what was it? The, I mean, there's a lot of talk about his, his military police. Uh, coming in, coming into force, and lowering crime rates, and and, and increasing the security of people. Um, there's other other talk, you know, a little bit about his model cities. I saw the other day. In yeah, Pansa. there's been a lot of talk um, about that. I actually, I actually think about maybe doing in the future we could do a podcast on that because I think that's a really oh, interesting. They're stuff. Fascinating. They're fascinating. I think it's really fascinating stuff. So the, there, there has definitely been a huge focus, and part of it maybe also is is other. Candidates, other parties, not having you know a campaign against Juan Orlando right now. You know, maybe we're not hearing as much of the criticism of him because no one's running against him. Um, so there's so, no opposition. So there's there's no there's no strong cohesive opposition uh, like there was from Partido Anti Corruption, from the Libre Party, from yeah. Know, but it's just it's just a weird dynamic because. If, but for those instance, who, but those who do have power and can communicate do have the the means of communication. The the you know La Prensa like a big uh, right. a big newspaper are you know for one or like one or bias yeah I understand um, I don't know I th- it's just bizarre because I think in in the U S for example after in the months following an Obama election right wingers are more rabid than ever about how Obama you know right. Obama is is the worst but it just in a country like Honduras the fury over I get towards your opposition is quelled very quickly. It's, right. it's, it's crazy. It's crazy the, 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 how emotion ebbs and flows and how it dissipates here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I think there's, there's some other factors involved in that as well. I think one thing is definitely the fact that people are scared. They're intimidated. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe that only can play to a certain degree because talking to you or talking to me, they should be able to, you know, say exactly what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But I remember uh, when, when this uh, right after the elections, talking to people, you know, activists in the Libre Party or activists in in Partido Anti Corruption, and saying, "Oh, well, how come no one's gone out and protested? How come no one's you know out in the street?" And they said, "Oh no, like that's like that's too dangerous. Like there were." planning a protest in te- in San Pedro and they had to cancel it. Yeah, the, yeah. The Libre Party and stuff. Maybe with a grain of salt, you're gonna have to take it, but um, I think there's definitely there's definitely a factor of people just not feeling safe and not feeling like they have that right to free speech in this country or that that ability to express what they really believe um, and stand up for it. Yes, I, I I completely agree with you that 
I agree with you on the intimidation part. I certainly agree that intimidation played a factor not only in the post-election situation in terms of people not protesting, but also in the actual day of the election itself. I mean, the military had this massive presence everywhere. True. Um, it, it, we live here in El Progreso, and it seemed it was like the city was under martial law. There was military everywhere in the day of the election. And that undoubtedly undoubtedly serves as a form of intimidation that is going to be to the benefit of Juan Orlando and Partido Nacional because they control the military. So, so I think I think that plays a role. I think intimidation certainly played a role, but at some point, the population at large has has got to do something about their country and their demar- democracy in order for this to change. Yeah, no, I can't. Regardless of, of their perceived intimidation, regardless of of the threat, both legitimate and 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 embellished. I couldn't it's I couldn't happen. agree with you anymore on that point. Um, I remember when when you and I were out, we you know went out on the streets on election day, and we tried to do some exit polls with people that had had, had voted. We tried to you know oh you know could you answer us a few questions about who you voted for, and everyone refused to talk to us. Um, yeah, and it was it was like very secret. Oh no, like my vote. Like, yeah, it was could never share that. It was bizarre. And it to was it. it was a very bizarre thing. And then after the elections, I found out Honduras doesn't actually – there were – election day, there were no exit polls done anywhere in Honduras. Uh-uh. Um, I don't think there's any culture of it. I don't think you know people have, have even heard of it really. Um, and I think it's just – that's another thing that kind of calls into question some, some legitimacy. What they did instead of election poll uh, – exit polls in, in some areas was a quick count. Um, and I don't exactly know how te- – technically how these quick counts work. Um, but they're much less rigorous than doing an actual uh, exit poll, and they usually they usually produce percentages that are that are inaccurate. that are inaccurate or, yeah. or skewed. Um, no, I think it's definitely telling that you have a situa- have a situation where voters have a legitimate fear that revealing who they voted for will result in some sort of bodily harm. I mean, that's a crazy yeah. situation to live in. That if I tell someone who I voted for. Something could potentially happen to me or my family. I mean, it's insane. And I, and I think, it, but that's I, I think it becomes worse the, than that, though, because it's that's that's one aspect of this, and then the other aspect that is really out of control of the hands of of the voters or or, or of Hondurans is the ability to just have information about the political parties, about their platforms, about what they're going to do, about how much money they're spending in their campaigns. Uh, one thing that that uh, individual citizens or you know, no one has been able to do is audit the the political parties um, and see how much money they've spent no, on their campaigns. That's the um, crazy part because that's the type of fraud we think about the, in in terms of the United States democratic process, the role of big money and the role and kind of the more campaign finance way of viewing um, you know fraud, fraudulent democratic process. But in Honduras, we're not even close to knowing that kind of information. I mean, we're talking about people well, being they, afraid to reveal who they vote for. We're talking about literal cash exchanges occurring at at, at voting, at voting places. Yeah. Like we're talking about legitimate, like <laughs> very old school, blatant forms of corruption. Like Honduras, I think, is decades away from really being able to truly solidify, solidify, solidify. Excuse me, and purify its democracy to the point where we have any idea of really what's going on here behind the scenes. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's one thing, you know, this, this, this election was, you know, what, what did I say the word was before? It was strange. Um, it left every, you know, un, uh, unsavory taste in everyone's mouth. But there were some positive steps. There were some good steps forward. Uh, the, 
What would you call the D- TSE? TSSE? Uh, the elect- yeah, the Electoral Tribu- Tribunal. Tribunal? Yeah. The Electoral Tribunal uh, like instituted a lot a lot of, of, of good innovations this year, of, of, of vast improvements. Um, they had – we're supposed to have representatives from each party with credentials at every table that you could vote at. Um, everyone was supposed to count the voting acts together, agree on the final tally, fill out a card – Scan that card and send it to Tegucigalpa, where where the the tribunal is is located, um, and then all of those those voting acts were published online. So there have been a lot of great innovations uh, that have have come out of or have been implemented in this election that are steps in the right direction. Is Honduras there yet? Is it able to have you know free and fair conditions? Is it able to have people who who go out and have a sense of efficacy and and are informed and ready to vote? Um, and is it able to have political leaders that are allowed to, you, are, are going to allow a, uh, an actual electoral process to take place? Is it there yet? I think that's a very good question. I don't think it is. Will it be there soon? I think that's definitely the direction it has to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have hope. Like I, I, I seriously do have hope uh, for the future of Honduras in all sectors, politically, economically, Um culturally in in terms of civil society um i really do have hope for honduras um and and a lot of countries in central america and throughout throughout latin america however i think that change is going to come fairly slowly like i don't think we're going to see a drastically different honduras four years from now at the end of juan orlando's term i think these types of things take decades um and in honduras we are certainly decades away from from having a democracy that anyone in this country should have any sort of confidence in. Um, unfortunately, I think in order for that change to come about and to, for Honduras to arrive at a place in where all of its citizens can live happy and healthy lives, I think is going to take a massive mobilization on the part of the average hunter and on the part of civil society. I think pressure has got to be put on elected officials and some sort of drastic political reform has to take place in order for Honduras uh, to make that step in the right direction. And right now it just doesn't exist. Like there just seems to be this pervasive culture of, of complacency as it pertains to not only politics, but other aspects of life and it's it's a shame to see um, because I know you know there's a ton that can be done and that there's a ton of potential uh, in this country um, I just, it just brings me back to a meeting I had uh, in like my first month here at the mayor's office with a with a this political official in the mayor's office and he told me uh, you know, there's a lot of talking going on in the meeting, a little bit of arguing, or just trying to get things settled on our project we're trying to do. And he just looked at me and kind of rolled his eyes, and he said, "Sorry, Alex, uh, Hundreds love the talk, but we don't ever do much." Uh, and that just seems like how this election was treated. Like everyone seemed very fired up, um, you know, for their particular candidate, and everyone seemed very well informed and and very aware of the the potential pitfalls of this election, and. They love discussing it, and they certainly dem- certainly demonstrated a, a ton of emotion uh, when doing so. But then, once the actual results came about, nothing really happened. Everything dissipated. Yeah, all the emotion dissipated, and 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 no one put their money where their mouth was. 
And so I really, I don't know, that's got to happen. It's absolutely got to happen for us to move in, move in the right direction in this country. And I, I think it will. I think it will. I just think it's going to take time. All right. So speaking of time, we're about to wrap up our half hour. But we're going to ask the question, what's next? What's going on next in Honduras? Um, we've got about a month before Juan Orlando actually takes uh, the president presidential office, I guess, uh, actually takes up the mantle. Um, his inauguration will be in January. Uh, Congress is still a National Party Congress, but what's on the agenda? What's 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 coming up next, Al? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's interesting bringing up Congress. I wasn't even thinking about that when we were going to kind of kind of wrap things up here, but uh, Congress is something I, I wanted to mention, and I think it could be a really uh, interesting obstacle, or not obstacle, you know, potential benefit moving forward, is that how divided this Congress is. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a colorful, colorful group in the sense that you have uh, Partido Nacional with the majority, but you also have, Partido Nacional still hold the majority, right? Yep. Okay. And then you have Libre, obviously has a significant percentage, but then you have other, I mean, smaller parties that hold a significant, they're going to hold a significant portion of the voting block. Um, so I think that could, I, I think it could force people to get along, uh, which I think certainly could be used in this country. Um, and also it, it's just interesting that Honduras, one major change that has occurred in, in a reason why in fact this election could end up being a watershed mo moment, um, in Honduran political history is that this has kind of ruptured the, the two party political system that. Honduras did have previously just liberal and, and national and uh, now with this 2013 election we you know we're entering a completely multi-party system as far as Honduran politics is concerned and uh, Honduras is kind of late to the game in that sense as far as Latin American is concerned most Latin American countries uh, already operate on uh, a multi-party system so hopefully that is a step in a progressive direction uh, for this country and its political future. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true, and that's a, a very good point, actually, Al. Um, I think having a, a party that's going to be divided is going to be a multi-party. Uh, I'm sorry, having a Congress that's going to be divided, that's going to have multiple parties, um, is going to force Hondurans to look for more um, consensus on on passing legislation. It doesn't have to be one, one party. It doesn't have to be kind of extreme this way, extreme that way. Um, they're going to have to come to more center ground more often. Uh, the other question I would have there, though, would be what will happen with presidential mandates? Um, if he can't do it through Congress, will Juan Orlando, you know, put things into action through mm -hmm. presidential mandates? Will that Two increase? Um, are we going to see him kind of take that, what, what, what is sometimes kind of considered populist uh, approach to politics, where he starts consolidating power more and more in the executive branch? Yeah. Um, and one thing that, you know, maybe is a, is a harbinger of, of of future moves like that would be the appearance of the military in his campaign ads um, and his 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 strong alliance with the with the Honduran military. That's you know the he couldn't have a stronger supporter in Honduras than than the military. Right. Um, so that's gonna that's gonna be an interesting point, kind of going into the future. And we've got some some pretty polemic uh, items on the on the <coughs> legislative agenda. Yeah. Uh, what are some real quick? What are some real quick uh, hot button issues? Do you think? Politically speaking, as Honduras goes into the new year, just throw them out as they come to mind real quick. I, I'm like, I'm thinking like this new hybrid military police force. I feel like yeah, it's a hot. No doubt, no doubt about security and the hybrid. Hybrid. Well, this is this is something that uh, there's a good chance Juan Orlando is actually going to try to push through with this session of Congress. While he still has control, 
by the uh, the National Party, mm-hmm. and then it will be ratified uh, when he comes into office. You're in talking January. about the, the military. That's police the force. military police force. Yeah, I think um, that. Um, this, another will be model cities. I think. Yeah, the model cities. I was going to mention that as well. The it's model cities, I think, could be a huge thing. And I mean, I don't know. It's 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 certainly innovative. Um, I'm, but I'm sure a, more left-leaning people are, are certainly going to decry the the role of <laughs> the increased role of corporate influence in in Honduran and society and society in general. Oh, but definitely. I think it's going to. I I'm genuinely very interested to investigate it and see how this whole mod, model cities idea unfolds. I mean, I think that could be something huge, either good or bad, outside of Honduras, which in Honduras rarely makes news. You know, ground ground shaking well, I mean, news on politically in the global political landscape. So I think that could be a big deal. Um, but yeah, anyway, what? So looking at those things going forward, we certainly hope that in the coming weeks and months we can bring you some uh, podcast on those topics that we uh, just mentioned, mentioned there. Yep. Uh, definitely the model cities I want to do a podcast on. And then I think coming up next podcast will probably do towards either the end of the year the beginning or the beginning of january maybe mid-january at latest just something just like a political wrap-up of honduras um, politics 2013 the presidential election just kind of to clean and tidy everything up moving into the new year and then beyond that for the podcast you know we certainly like to uh, discuss political things um but i think also we have some uh fairly interesting thoughts on 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 things related to Honduras outside of politics, society and culture and experiences we've had that I think would be interesting as well. But it's I definitely want to stay this, on. Uh, a holistic yeah, podcast. Exactly. All kinds it's going to be very eclectic. But I um, definitely think, you know, stay focused on, I think it's important that we stay focused on political issues because I just don't think there's a lot of media outlets, you know, keeping a close eye on Honduran political issues and certainly not Western or, or uh, American media outlets. And, you know, Honduras media tends to be very biased. So I don't know. We're certainly not experts on anything. Uh, we're just kind of giving our thoughts and, you know, doing what we can to read online and, and talk to people here in country. Um, but, you know, I think it's important just to have the debate, to have the conversation, just that people in Honduras are talking about politics, talking about their society, talking about their culture, sharing it. Um, I don't know. I just think too much is kept quiet here and, uh Civil society needs to really get more engaged, and you know this is one way of potentially doing it.